You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. When you post hunting photos on Instagram, they get censored. When you post on Go Wild, you get virtual fist bumps from fellow hunters. When you buy gear on Amazon, you gas up a billionaire spaceship. When you buy gear on Go Wild, we donate to a camp that teaches kids to hunt, fish, and shoot. See the difference? Go Wild is a free social community built by hunters for hunters. Join today at DownloadGoWild.com, and I'll give you 10 bucks just for setting up your account. And you'll keep unlocking Go Wild rewards as you share content, because guess what? We like hunting pictures. Join at DownloadGoWild.com or in the App Store. Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoor Podcast, where you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight, because here we go. And we are back. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast. If you tuned in last week, you know that this audio already sounds way, way better than last week. Um, long story short, I don't know what happened last week, but my microphone was just going nuts. Um, I thought it was probably the cord. Uh, you know, thought the cord might have had a short in it. Went and bought a new cord. That didn't work. So then I was like, well, there's no way that the microphone is messed up. So I thought it had to be the mixer, and so I ordered a new mixer online, I paid for the expedited shipping, got the mixer in this weekend, and that didn't work, and so I was like, well, I guess I was wrong, I guess it is the microphone, went and bought a new microphone, and it still did not help it, and so I knew it wasn't the program, because if I just, you know, talked into my computer, it would record me, but obviously the audio isn't that great. And so uh, I had already restarted the program multiple times. Finally, I was so sick of it. I didn't know what else to try. I shut my computer all the way down, started it back up, and with all of my original equipment, it worked perfectly. (laughs) And so I don't know what the heck happened. I don't know how to explain it. All I know is I spent like $400 on stuff that did not help at all. And so uh, now I'm trying to figure out if I'm, because I did buy nicer stuff. So now I'm trying to figure out if I'm going to keep the upgraded equipment or send it all back and get my money back and, you know, maybe buy a fish finder or something like that. So anyway, that is a long explanation, way too long explanation, but I'm back with good quality audio. And so I'm glad I got it taken care of, even though it turned out to be nothing. So Headache done, I'm back, and uh, and here we go. So, uh, real quick, uh, guys, I am so excited for this episode. You guys don't even know. Um, but before we get there, I want to do one quick little update. Uh, I told you guys last week that I was really excited to do some duck hunting over the weekend, and unfortunately, I did not get that done. So I actually went, and uh, Friday night, I got to our, our, our place Friday night, and I was going to go ahead and set up my decoys Friday night to hunt Saturday morning. Well, I get out to my little duck hole, and it is almost completely dry. And uh, and that front, we had a big front that was moving in at like 3 a.m. And I basically just talked myself out of going. I was like, man, there's no water here. Um, you know, that front's going to hit. See, they're going to push the birds out. The new birds haven't come down. Blah, blah, blah. Came up with a bunch of excuses. So I ended up sleeping in Saturday morning. And uh, about, I don't know, 9.30 or so, I went over there to, to check out the pond. And a good 60 to 70 mallards flew off of my little dried up duck hole. And so I was very angry, but I was like, hey, you know, no sweat. Like, I'll just, you know, hunt tomorrow morning. 
Um, but I was staying at my parents' house, and they were babysitting my brother's kids and one of my sister's kids. Um, and then, man, about four o'clock, my dad started feeling bad. Uh, but it was weird. Like, it, you know, it wasn't like COVID symptoms or flu symptoms or anything like that. Uh, he just didn't feel good. And uh, about, you know, bedtime, I was like, hey, you know, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, I think I'm okay. And we kind of came up with a plan that if he got worse, my mom was going to take him to the hospital and I would stay, you know, with the kids and babysit. And uh, sure enough, about one o'clock, my mom had to take him to the hospital. And so, um, which, you know, not a big deal. I did not get to hunt because I was babysitting five kids. Um, But turns out he had pancreatitis. Um, and so luckily it, it turned out to not be too big of a deal. If he would have waited longer, it would have been worse. Um, so all you old men, old stubborn old men like my dad out there, listen to your bodies. Don't be afraid to go to the hospital. Um, but basically he was not allowed to eat or drink anything for basically two full days. Um, he, the, on the second day for dinner, I think he was allowed to have like broth and jello. Um, but they basically just had to flush his symptom. He ended up getting to go home the next day. Um, but he also had a little touch of pneumonia and, uh, so he's, he's been recovering. He's doing fine now. He's home. He's up, he's walking around still a little weak, but overall doing good. But all that to say, kind of a scary situation this weekend and I did not get any, really any hunting done, but it was, it was really fun hanging out with my, you know, my nieces and nephews. I love kids. I love playing with kids. And so we had a great time. My dad's okay. So it all worked out. So so yeah, that was my weekend in a nutshell. Uh, this weekend, I'm going to stick a little closer to home. Still planning on doing some duck hunting. I was actually, I had a trip planned with one guy on Saturday. Uh, his wife got COVID, and so he canceled on me. So I invited my boss, actually. Uh, my boss and his son were going to come. My boss thinks he might have COVID now, and so he's out too. Uh, but I think I'm going to do a solo mission. I don't mind hunting by myself. And I'm uh, going to try one of the other ponds out. Um, like I said, I got, uh, access to three of my old ponds. One of them, uh, is the one I hunted, uh, what is that? Two, two weeks ago or something. Didn't have any luck. Um, but I actually drove by and scouted, uh, this other pond that I'm going to hunt, uh, on Saturday and it had quite a few ducks on it. And so I'm going to do a solo mission and that is all the update I got for you. I don't want to waste any more time. We got a nice long interview. Uh, today I'm talking to Shiloh Butts. And kind of funny how this interview came about. Um, I just saw a picture of Shiloh on Instagram, uh, reached out to him because he had a a pretty nice deer and I could tell he had a traditional bow. And I've been trying to get a trad guy on basically since I started this thing. I've had several guys either, you know, not really want to or shut me down completely. I guess like a lot of them were kind of older gentlemen and I, you know, they're, they're trad bow guys. Like they probably just don't want to be bothered don't want to, uh, you know, just put themselves out there, which I understand. Um, so I've had some trouble getting a trad bow guy, but anyway, I reached out to Shiloh and come to find out not only is he an Oklahoma native, he is a four time world champion. And so, uh, like I said, I just reached out to this guy kind of on a whim because I saw he had a, a deer with a trad bow and come to find out he really knows what he's doing. And so I ate this up. I probably asked more questions during this interview than any other interview I've done. So if you have any interest in uh, shooting a traditional bow, this is the episode for you guys. I mean, this is like, we have a lot of good stuff here. And uh, just to let you guys know how good, 
Uh, we recorded this yesterday, I guess. Um, and today, before I went in here to do my editing, I took my longbow outside and, you know, applied the things he taught me. Um, and I mean, within like a dozen arrows, I could already tell a difference and just the confidence that I feel. Um, so like I said, if you have any interest in traditional archery, this is the episode for you. Shiloh does a great job. And so I'm going to be quiet, uh, because Shiloh has way more interesting things to I do to say than I do. So without further ado, um, hope you guys are ready for this. Here's my interview with Shiloh Butts. Hey everybody, welcome to the show today, and today I have Shiloh Butts. How you doing, Shiloh? I'm doing good, sir. How about yourself? I'm doing real good. It's uh, nice and chilly. That front's hitting right now, and uh, so I'm glad I'm in here recording this with you. Yeah, absolutely. It's hitting here as well. It's not uh, very comfortable outside right now. (laughs) Not at all. Not at all. Well, Shiloh, first off, I'd like to say I'm very excited for this episode. I don't know if that's good, uh, you know, posting or not, but I am very excited about this. We're going to talk about something that I've been interested in for a while, wanting to get into for a while, but just haven't completely made the leap, uh, and that is traditional archery. And so, uh, but before we jump in, real quick, why don't you just tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Um, Shiloh Butts. I live in Sulphur, Oklahoma, so kind of south-central part of the state. Uh, born and raised here and plan on staying here for as long as I can until they run me out. Uh, but yeah, I've been hunting ever since I could walk essentially. And, uh, most of that time I've been packing a bow around, uh, doing it. So mm-hmm. as far as traditional archery side of things goes, I've been shooting, uh, since I was about 11, 12 years old. So going on about 22, 23 years, somewhere in there. Awesome. Sweet. And uh, what's funny about this is, uh, so I I saw a picture of you online, and you had a a nice buck, and I saw your traditional bow, and I've had trouble getting a a trad guy on, so I reached out to you, and you agreed, and then after creeping on you a little bit more, I found out that you are actually the world champion longbow shooter. Is that correct? Uh, Yes, sir. I've won the IBO World uh, four times now. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, I'm, just from the little bit we've talked, you sound like a really humble guy, but I'm going to need you to brag on yourself just a little bit. Why don't you tell everybody a few <laughs> things that you've accomplished? Uh, that's really the biggest one is, uh, is the IBO World uh, Championships. Uh, I think I got my first one back around 2014, and then my most recent one was this past summer. Uh, and I, I'd be lying to you if I gave you a number, to be honest, as mm-hmm. far as state championships goes. Uh, probably pushing a couple dozen state championships, uh, mainly with longbow, some with recurve and some with self-bow. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's Oklahoma, Texas, Arkansas, um, pretty much just right here, kind of a tri-state area more or less. Mm-hmm. Um, and been shooting in tournaments since I was uh, 12 or 13 years old when I went to my very first one and it actually started out as just a four eight shoot mm-hmm. um and then it just grown exponentially from there so gotcha i was gonna ask like what got you into traditional archery like did you start with a compound or have you always shot traditional no I, i've kind of dabbled i guess you'd say in both uh pretty much my whole life but as far as tra- uh, traditional stuff goes uh, i had a neighbor an elderly gentleman that lived right up the hill from me and uh he, he built self-bows and shipped them out all over the U.S. and had people from all over come and learn how to build bows and 
I literally spent hours and hours and hours in his garage with him uh, pretty much year-round, especially during the summers. And uh, that's kind of where the bug hit, um, just seeing him build bows and watching him shoot. And uh, something that my one of my uncles, he had always shot a recurve, and my grandfather had always shot a recurve. So uh, I was always interested in it. Um, but I actually got to build a bow with the old man, and uh, that's what I shot for several years. And then I ended up buying a uh, bear uh, Kodiak at a flea market and uh, kind of took off from there as far as shooting more of the what you would consider, you know, traditional style bows that most people think of being, you know, recurving long bows. So. Gotcha. Very cool. Awesome. Well, I got several questions here for you, but real quick before we really, you know, jump off the deep end, uh, I feel like we need to, you know, divide de- – Define wow! Define a few of these terms. So, real quick, just give us a real quick definition of what is traditional archery or trad bow. Uh, I mean, traditional archery has tons of different meanings, just depending upon, I guess, you talk to. Um, to me, in a nutshell, um, it's basically just shooting a single string bow, whether it's a recurve or long bow or self bow. Um, and then once you kind of get into all those different realms, then it branches out immensely from there. But uh, essentially, it's just single string bows. Gotcha. I like it. And then you've mentioned three already, so I want to get some definitions on those. Longbow, recurve, and self-bow. What are the difference in those three? Yeah, so we'll start out with a self-bow since it's basically the most primitive. And essentially what that is is just going to be a single piece of wood um, most of the time, especially in Oklahoma, um, they're going to be built out of Osage. Um, you can also use several different other types of woods, um, but that's really the most prominent one. Um, but it's essentially, like I said, just a single piece of wood. There's not going to be any laminations, no glass, anything like that. Some people put snake skin backings on them, um, which is basically just decorative more than anything. Um, some people add rawhide, which gives it a little bit of stability. Um, and then there's even a step further where they put sinew, um, on the backs of the bows. Um, and that actually does kind of help, help with the performance and longevity of the bow. Um, but that's, uh, self bows in a nutshell. Um, then you move on to long bow, which is fairly similar. Um, typically they have more of a straighter limb profile. And, uh, of course, like definition says, they're longer, um, with most of them being, you know, 62 to, 68 inches somewhere in there and of course there's the outliers and there's shorter bows in the mix um but typically they're kind of slimmer handled and um that sort of thing and then with recurves it's mainly just a, a limb profile kind of thing um so when i when you think of a recurve you think of the swept limbs and uh a little bit blockier handle it's got more of a pistol style grip to it um and most people in general would say that they have a little bit better performance just because of the limb profiles, but uh, a lot of the longbows nowadays, they can keep up with pretty much all the recurves that are out there on the market. So, Gotcha. Gotcha. Awesome. All right, so time to jump off the deep end here, and uh, we're going to do the best we can with just audio. I feel like you really need video for some of this, but... Um, you know, let's say somebody's out there, they've, they've never shot any bow or like me, maybe they grew up with a, uh, compound bow and they're ready to make the switch. Uh, what are just some basic things that they need to know, um, as far as like getting a bow, you know, what is like, 
is there is there an advantage to starting with a longbow versus a recurve? Um, you know, what poundage should they be looking at? You know, I think for you know, like for me, you know, I shoot a sixty-five pound uh, rec- or I'm sorry, compound, but I'm pretty sure I should not be starting yeah. with a sixty-five pound recurve. And so, <laughs> just go into that stuff Correct. a little bit. Yeah, so, I mean, as, as far as you know, longbow recurve that sort of thing. That's really all a preference. Um, me in particular, I'm a longbow guy. I like to hear the thump, as I tell people, instead of the swing that a recurve has whenever you let it go. But um, but starting out, I mean, it's whatever's kind of comfortable to you or whatever's available. Um, and there's such a large, large array of bows that are out there now and available to uh, to start out with. But the best thing and the best option out there that a lot of people start out with um, is what they get the Samick Sage, um, and there's two or three other companies that build bows very similar to them. Um, they're relatively cheap. Um, they shoot pretty good. Um, but the biggest thing is you can buy limbs um, for them. So uh, starting out, you want to start way, way lower than what you would expect or think of, say, with a compound where you're shooting 65 pounds. You know, I would say 35 to 40 is a very good starting point with the trad bow because you definitely don't want to be overbowed because that's the biggest obstacle a lot of people put before themselves essentially when they start out shooting because um, they're thinking oh, I can draw 65 or 70 or even 75 pounds of the compound and you know I can do 50 55 pounds really easy which you can for several shots and you know and a lot of people can handle that kind of weight but if you don't have somebody there to watch you or to basically figure out the correct form, then having a heavier weight bow um, can really do more harm than good in the long run because you can develop a lot of bad habits and how you draw and um, that sort of thing. And not only will it affect your shooting, but it can also affect your shoulders and that sort of thing in the long run if you do it for too long and do it incorrectly for too long. So mm-hmm. I always tell people, start out way lower than you think and, you know, even if you think you can handle, say, 40, you might even drop down to 35 pounds. Um, I mean, there's no shame in shooting that. Um, a lot of the big, big-name guys that, that shoot um, professionally, essentially, uh, all over the world in tournaments, they're shooting somewhere between 40 and 44 or 45 pounds, you know, uh, on the 3D circuit. So it, it, you don't need a heavy, heavyweight bow to get into this game. And even hunting-wise, I know tons of people that, hunt with low 40 pound bows and they kill just as many if not more animals than majority of archers that shoot compounds so uh biggest thing is uh being comfortable with bow you're shooting and having a really really well-tuned arrow and it'll do just as good as a heavyweight bow will Mm -hmm. yeah i fell into that same trap accidentally actually and so several years ago um i actually had a crossbow that i got for christmas my grandma bought me a crossbow and a buddy of mine had just, he tore his abs, actually, and he wasn't able to draw a bow. And so I let him borrow my crossbow. I'd never even shot it. I just basically gave it straight to him. And it got stolen from his deer lease. And so he was going to you know buy me one to replace it. And actually, instead of a, re- uh, a crossbow, I said, hey, why don't you buy me a recurve? Because I was more interested in going traditional than I was to a crossbow. Um, and so he's like, yeah, no problem. And I'm not sure where he found it, but he ended up buying me a 60 pound recurve. And of course me being young and not knowing what I was doing. Yeah. I was like, oh, sweet. You know, that's what I need anyway. And so luckily I, you know, I haven't shot it that much. I still have it. I um, I haven't shot it that much. 
Um, but as of kind of get, you know, I was talking about getting into this last year, like I was saying, and, uh, I was talking to my boss about it one day and he just so happened to have a 40 pound longbow, uh, that he never shoots. And so he didn't necessarily give it to me, but it's, you know, permanently borrowed, I would say. Um, right, you know, right. he, he's welcome to have it back at any moment, but I don't know if he wants it back. And so, so I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm basically I'm fixed now. So I'm going to start shooting that and getting my form down. And so I'm pretty right. excited. That's pretty excited definitely about better it. option. Than the, yeah. That's definitely better option than 60 pounds for yeah. sure. Yeah. Absolutely. So, all right. So, uh, somebody, you know, they go out, they buy their, uh, their recurve or their longbow, whatever they want, you know, their choice. Let's talk about actually shooting. And so big question. And I know there's a thousand different directions to go with it, but how do you aim a traditional bow? Uh, like you said, there's definitely a thousand different directions and depending upon who you talk to, uh, will really vary in that answer um of course the age-old and timeless classic method is just going to be instinctive where mm-hmm. basically you know you, you look at what you want to hit and draw back focus on your spot you let the arrow go and uh hope that it gets there and uh hits what you're looking at which it is a very very effective method for sure i mean i shot instinctive for for several well pretty much the entirety of my shooting career up until just a couple of years ago um the thing about instinctive is for me personally and i would say it probably rings true for most anybody is you really have to put the time in behind mm-hmm. the bow um to be proficient at it you know year in and year out uh, and not just you know sometimes here and there and that sort of thing uh, it just it's one of those things if you don't use it you lose it almost mm-hmm. um especially for me like i said everybody's different uh, I know guys that they can pick up a bow now and not touch it for seven or eight months, pick it up and shoot it, and they're just as deadly with it then as they was six months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, with the instinctive side of things, you really, really have to put your time in and get used to the bow, and basically your body builds around the trajectory of the arrow, and it kind of knows what's going to happen, and it sets itself up essentially for how high you need to be um holding it and that sort of thing um the other main one that a lot of people do is what they call gap shooting where basically each yardage you kind of have an idea of how high or low you need to be aiming or holding your arrow so say for example you know at 10 yards uh your gap is six or eight inches which is going to be you know just right below the belly line on a deer and and then real quick real quick what's that what are you using for that gap Okay, so for the gap, you're basically using the point or the shaft of your arrow mm-hmm. um, in relation to the target where you're wanting to hit. So okay. I could, I'll go back. So like, at, say, for example, at 10 yards um, on the deer target, uh, you have a 6-inch gap. So basically the bottom of your arrow is just barely going to be underneath his belly line. And whenever you release, it's going to go in to, say, for example, the 10 ring on a target. So you've got that basically six inches there between the end of your arrow and where your arrow actually impacts at that distance. Mm -hmm. And then as you scoot back, the gap actually narrows or shortens. So say, for example, you move to 15, then your gap is only four inches. And then at 20, your gap is basically zero. So you can put the point of your arrow right where you want it to hit. Mm -hmm. And then as you get further back, then you actually have to hold over the spot where you're wanting to hit. Mm -hmm. And, 
those are just theoretical numbers because it's really it's different for everybody depending upon um, how they um, grip the bow, um, where your anchor point is, um, how your arrows set up as far as your knocking point and stuff on the string mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. Um, but with gap shooting, I mean, if you know your gaps and you know you know how far it is, then it makes things a whole lot easier and you can be a whole lot more proficient with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but even taking it a step further from that, uh, and something that I've just started in the past couple of years, um, it's called uh, you know, string walking is essentially what it is, but um, <coughs> excuse me, it's called a fixed crawl. Um, so basically what you have set up is an extra knocking point um, down from your actual arrow knock and I have mine set up to where pretty much at 20 yards I'm dead on and then from there um, you know if it's closer then I can just aim a little lower or if it's further than I aim just a little bit higher Um, and I actually move my fingers up and down the string a little bit as a form of like I said string walking Um, so at different distances my my fingers are actually in different spots on the string and so no matter the distance i'm shooting at um i can put the point of my arrow right where i want it to hit draw back and let it go so to me it's just like shooting pins in a compound mm-hmm. um and since i've started doing it um it honestly kind of feels like cheating yeah. uh, more <laughs> than anything compared to all other methods that i've used yeah. um but i just do that for hunting only gotcha. um so you kind of frown upon that in most disciplines as far as mm-hmm. 3d game goes mm-hmm but uh, but for hunting situations, it's extremely accurate. It's really easy once you get your bow set up. I mean, like I said, you pretty much you're pointing the putting the point of your arrow wherever you want it to hit. You're drawing back and letting it go, and um, as long as you execute the shot right, it's going to be right there in the spot or pretty close to it every single time. So um, that's one that I've really started pushing in the last couple of years when people have asked me, you know, about how to shoot more accurately or aiming or that sort of thing. Gotcha. So gap shooting, just to make sure I got all this straight and that our listeners do. So uh, you you were throwing me off at first when you were talking about aiming under the target, but then I had to think about it. Your eye is above your arrow. And so, you know, you're looking down at that tip. So that's why you're starting low and then working your way up. And so, yeah. So as that gap shrinks, you're bringing the tip of your arrow higher. Exactly. And then the string walking. So you have an extra knock. Uh, or I'm sorry, an extra deal on your string, and then you're basically yes, rolling. Yep, and so you're rolling your fingers up and down that string, which is then changing the angle of that arrow. That's exactly it. So basically, instead of having that having that gap between your arrow and the point that you're wanting to hit, that gap is on the back end. Um, so honestly, it, it takes all thinking out once mm-hmm. you get the full draw and you're fixing to shoot at something. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially for me and small minded and as, as easily distracted as I can get, I need all the advantages that I can get. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, the past couple of years since I've started doing the fixed crawls uh, and actually doing, like I said, a little string walk and moving my fingers up and down, it's, it's essentially just like shooting a, a compound with pins. I mean, mm-hmm. once you put your fingers on the string and you draw back, you put, put the point on the target and you let it fly and it, it, it's deadly. It's really, really deadly. Gotcha. Very cool. I got, oh man, I got so many questions in here in my head. I'm going to try to keep this, you know, simple, but, uh, first, no, quick, no first, very quick question. When you are setting your knock point, 
are you essentially mm-hmm. just making a right angle with that arrow on your string? Like, do you want that arrow flat or do you, you know, bump it one way or the other? Um, so the majority of the time you don't want it completely fat because it's not going to get as good a clearance mm-hmm. typically. Um, and a lot of it has to do with, you know, your arrow makeup and the spine of it and that sort of thing. So there's going to be a little bit of variance there, but usually I'm setting a little bit above center. So, mm-hmm. uh, the tip or the end of my arrow is actually pointed down, um, and it varies from one bow to the next. I mean, I've got one set up that I'm probably in a less than an eighth inch above center um, as far as my knock set, and then I've got another bow that you can look at, and, I mean, the arrow's nearly pointing towards the ground because it's set up so high, and mm. it just has a difference um, in angle with the grip and the, the shelf and that sort of thing. So mm. it can vary, but most of the time it is going to be set above uh, center um, just a little bit and it's all due to basically clearance because when you draw your bow back you're actually putting a little bit of bend in the arrow that you can't see mm-hmm. it's based off the pressure on your fingers and mm-hmm. uh, whenever it's pressed against your, your shelf so you've got to have a little bit of uh, clearance there so you have to move that knock up just a touch Gotcha. alright and then my next question is uh, and I don't want to jump ahead too much but uh you know, you're talking about string walking, so I'm guess do you do three under or do you shoot split finger? And why don't you define those terms because I'm not sure I can define them right. Okay, so split finger essentially, you're basically putting two uh, fingers below the knock, which is going to be your uh, middle and ring finger, and then your index finger is going to be above the knock, so that's split finger. And then with three under. Uh, your index finger and then your middle finger and ring finger are all below um, your arrow knock. Um, and with that, I mean, it's a hundred percent pure preference. Um, I shot for ever split finger and uh, I just switched to three under here oh, about two and a half, three years ago now. Um, but like with fixed crawl or string walking or anything like that, you have to shoot um three under you can't do a fixed or you can't do a uh, <clears throat> split finger um yeah. in order to do that so um it's kind of limiting in that regard mm-hmm. um but the, the i mean the arguments about which one's better which one's worse it goes days and days and days and those old men on different tra- trad forums they'll they'll gripe and argue with one <laughs> another till their faces turn blue over which is better and it mm-hmm. really is truly all personal preference gotcha okay I'm jumping around a little bit, but I'm just asking questions as they come to me. So, no worries. <laughs> we, we've covered aiming pretty good. Uh, I want to talk about arrows real quick. Um, okay. you know, I'm, I know some guys will shoot carbon, but I'm guessing you don't just want to mm-hmm. take one of your arrows from your compound bow and, and throw it on there. Um, what do you guys need Correct. to know as far as arrows and spine and that good stuff? Uh, I mean, really the biggest thing um, as far as arrows goes is that they're tuned properly to your bow. So just like you said, the spine of 99% of the compound arrows is going to be way, way too stiff for the majority of trad bows unless you are shooting quite a bit heavier poundage or if you have that front end of your arrow loaded up with a lot of weight to really uh, decrease um, the spine of your arrow. So. Um, the biggest thing is, like I said, is getting a spine range there. And there's tons of different calculators and charts that you can look at. And, you know, say I'm shooting 44 pounds uh, through a recurve um, and I'm drawing 29 inches. Well, you can get on a chart and find 
44 pounds on recurve and go 29 and it'll say you need a you know 400 to 500 spine arrow somewhere in that range um so that, that's really the biggest thing is you definitely want to have the correct spine because if your errors aren't flying straight then that just causes increased frustration and uh lack of accuracy um in the end so um tuning the arrows can be a little bit tricky but once you get them tuned uh it definitely helps out um everything um when it comes to shooting trad stuff and i do highly recommend uh shooting carbons especially you know if you're not in any competitions or anything like that just mainly for durability um and then also ease of changing things up so if it is a little stiff you can add weight you know add instead of a 100 grain tip you can put 125 or 150 or whatnot or if you have a little bit um too weak of an arrow you can take a little weight away from the front end and stiffen it up so it definitely adds variability and allows you to change things up a whole lot easier say versus wood arrows or something of that nature which there's nothing wrong with woods i shoot wood arrows 99.9 percent of the time and competition and i hunt with them some um it's uh, it's also one of those just personal preference kind of things but uh overall i'd say carbon is definitely king so gotcha gotcha um had another question just flew out of my mind oh uh you mentioned draw length and that thought made me think of another you know if i like i know my draw length for a compound bow would you say Mm -hmm. it's the same when you move to a, a traditional bow, or is it going to be maybe a little shorter because you don't have a release? Correct. Typically, it is going to be uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of a half, a half to an inch less, um, and it all depends uh, basically wherever you're anchoring. Um, I mean, some people, they draw it all the way back and get it you know, right under their eye, and some people, they draw basically to just the front edge or corner of their mouth. So if you're looking at just that amount, you know, you've got – half inch to three quarter inch of variance just right there in itself so um but it's good good rule of thumb typically you're looking at about a half inch i'd say on average um on the shorter side with the trad bow versus a, a compound gotcha awesome all right we've talked about bows we've talked about arrows and uh another hard one to talk about but uh we're gonna try I want you to just basically walk us through shooting a trad bow correctly. You know, what guys need to know, guys or gals need to know um, as far as drawing, anchor point, aiming, release, you know, basically just the whole shooting process. Okay. Um, So with that, it's, I mean, everybody's a little bit different in how they go about it. Um, For me, I'm pretty mechanically minded in that I go through the same routine and steps every single time. Uh, so with that, I set my grip the same every single time. First thing I do as soon as I put my, my hand on my, my bow, uh, is make sure my grip is set because that's basically where your foundation starts. And if it's, mm-hmm. you know, different from one time to the next, then it can cause a lot of variability in your shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, next step, of course, you wouldn't think much about it, uh, but actually putting your fingers on the string the exact same way every single time is, mm-hmm such a big deal um a lot of people just grab and rip and draw and pull but there's really a lot more to it than that um because if you just grab a hold of it and draw it back and do it differently every time the amount of pressure that you're putting on the arrow changes um you know the amount of pressure you're putting on the string in different places changes and so that can really affect your arrow flight so um as soon as i set my grip i set my 
fingers up on the string each time the same way and set what's called the hook, um, which is basically just uh, the grip or the way that you're hooking your fingers onto the string. Um, do you shoot a uh, tab or do you shoot oh, gloves? Uh, I shoot a tab. Gotcha. I shoot a tab. That's something else that I've changed in the last few years, mm-hmm. um, and that's one of those things everybody argues till they're blue in the face which mm-hmm. one's better and it's just 100 percent personal preference there gotcha um as well what made me think of that is um, you know what i guess what measure do you take to make sure you're putting the string on there at the same time i mean how, like i guess you know if we, but, with the tab it's going to take away a little bit of your feel and so how just how do you know you're being consistent with it right which we, it can be the same with with a tab or with a um, with a glove as far as you know the feel goes. Cause, I mean, some gloves are way thicker than others. Same way with tabs. Um, some people like thin ones. Some people like thick ones. Um, it's just all personal preferences there. But the biggest thing as far as setting up, as far as the fingers on the string, is that they're in the exact same location each and every time, um, and actually setting the string on your fingers the same place every single time instead of one time being way out on the end and the next time having a really really deep uh, hook or you know finger set um so addressing it and like i said putting my fingers the exact same spots every single time um and it really truly does make a whole lot more difference than a lot of people would ever think or mm-hmm. ever even try to uh, mess with yeah. um but are, that the are, two points that you're touching your bow so you mm-hmm. you've got to have both of those set up you know, the same every time, or it's going to definitely cause some alterations and things. Mm-hmm. Are you going closer to your knuckles, or are you going like middle of the finger? So if you if you take your finger, your three fingers, your your you know your pointer finger, your middle finger, and your ring finger, and you stretch them all the way out, and you're looking at them. I I put the string right in front of the crease on the index finger so your your pointer finger Mm -hmm. and then the next finger down uh being your middle finger i put it right behind that crease Mm -hmm. and then the next finger down being your ring finger it is right in front of that crease so if you're sitting there looking you can basically draw a line right through that area i just told you And essentially, if you're putting your your, your string right there, the pressure is going to be the same every single time versus if you're putting it way out on the tips of your fingers because they're all, it's basically just all meat. Mm -hmm. Or if you're putting it right in the center of those creases um, every single time because it's setting in that crease, it's a lot harder to get a clean release. Um, And that's one thing that I I didn't used to do. Um, That's something that was that was taught to me by coaching um, and through coaching. And since I've done that, it's uh, it's crazy how much different and how much better my release has been um, just switching that up. Because used to, I shot with the string way out on the tips of my fingers. Because my thought um, or train of thought on that was, well, if the less meat you got on the string, the less chances there is of, you know, your fingers hanging up or you getting a sloppy release, um, which that couldn't be further from the truth. Um, because you can't keep the same pressure points every single time mm-hmm. um, on the tips of your fingers because it's all meat there. You know, there's not any any defined spots, essentially. So by moving it back a little bit deeper and um, getting it right in line, um, it really helps in getting a lot cleaner release every single time. Gotcha. All right. 
All right, I'll quit interrupting. You can keep going. <laughs> no, you're good. Uh, no, so from there, the uh, I basically set my shoulders up straight. Um, I had a really bad problem for years where my front shoulder would kind of drift and come up, um, which is not good. So I set my front shoulder down um, pretty hard and uh, focus on keeping it down. And then from there, it's uh, the coil, which basically you're kind of loading your back muscles up and it's basically just a twist move um, of your core and your back. Um, and it's sort of kind of what I would call like a preload almost on your string. So you're, you're putting pressure on your string. You're actually drawing it back, but you're not intentionally drawing it back. That makes sense. Um, it's kind of hard to explain without mm-hmm. picture or video. But, uh, but by doing that, it's basically setting up your shoulders and your back muscles and getting everything into alignment. Um, then from there, uh, I essentially just work on my, my back and my scapula, um, try to get all those muscles engaged in, um, set my anchor up, which is right below my cheekbone. And, uh, from there it all just kind of depends on distance at that point. Um, you know, say for example, I am shooting my, uh, fixed crawl method then i put my point right where i want to and from there i'm focusing on my spot and i just start pulling and pulling and pulling until the bow's going off on its own um and it's a hundred percent surprise uh when it releases um and that's really a big thing too a lot of people you know they're forcing themselves to release which can cause bad habits in the end mm-hmm. versus just pulling through your your shot and your string like you would with a compound um, and getting that good, crisp, clean release, um, which in the end helps get a lot better accuracy. Gotcha. If, if you heard me typing a second ago, that was my question. <laughs> basically, like, how do you release? Uh, so are you saying you just basically pull as hard as you can until your fingers open, or do you just try to open your hand as fast as you can? How does the actual release so actually, work? So, so actually neither of those. Okay. Um, you, you, you do not want to consciously open your fingers up mm-hmm. um, or open your hand up um, because if you're doing it consciously, then lots of lots of things can go wrong in a heartbeat. Um, so, it, it, like I said, it's one of those things that's kind of hard to explain, but my fingers or my hook set up, um, whenever I draw back and release, my fingers never change um, from the time that they're on the string till the t- time the string is gone as the string actually basically pulls through the fingers. Um, and it, like I said, it, it's hard to explain without mm-hmm. actually seeing it, but on, on slow-mo or video, you can watch in my fingers, they literally, they don't open up. They stay in a hook setting from beginning to end. Hmm. Um, and that's one of those things, like I said, whenever you're pulling through correctly, um, your elbow is essentially pushing backwards towards your back and not pulling in a linear fashion. Gotcha. Um, and that it's one of those things that's, that's all come through coaching that I've learned the past few years. Um, and something that I can't stress enough. If there's anybody close by to you, if you're getting into this game that knows what they're doing and has some coaching experience, uh, it's absolutely invaluable and can make a, a ginormous difference in uh in shooting and really decrease the amount of time and shorten the learning curve of things hmm. gotcha awesome 
I got one last question on the on the anchor. What uh? Okay. As far as your hand, you know, you mentioned you anchor below your cheekbone. What mm-hmm. on your hand are you using to set your anchor with? Like, is it your pointer finger, your thumb? What's your? I guess yeah, what's your anchor it's, point? It's, correct. It's going to be my pointer finger, um, and it's like I said, it's setting basically just right at the front edge of my cheekbone. Mm-hmm. Um, some people do what they call a, a double anchor point, so they'll have their their finger on a certain spot on their face. Um, and then they'll have their thumb, say, tucked behind their ear, or they'll have it, you know, touching the bottom of their ear, so they know it's in the exact same spot every time. Um, I, I never really could get comfortable setting my, my thumb back there. It, it was too much for me to try to handle mm-hmm. um, once I got to that point. So I just have a single set anchor. Some people, you know, their fingers are right there on the corner of their mouth. Um, some people, you know, right at the corner of their eye. Um, it, it, it all just, it basically is all determined on, you know, how you're, how you're built and what your body will allow you to do and pull comfortably, um, as really is where your anchor point's going to set up on your face. So, um, that can vary from one person to the next. Gotcha. Gotcha. Awesome. All right. Sweet. And then, uh, what about like distance? Like where should somebody start practicing and what should their goal be before they, you know, feel comfortable going out in the woods and actually hunting? Um, you know, like I think for a lot of people, like with a recurve, you know, 20 yards is kind of the bread and butter and then you move back from there. But, uh, yeah, I've shot enough traditional archery to know that starting at 20 yards is a very lofty goal. Yeah. So I, I always advise people start really close and then slowly work your way back. Uh, biggest reasoning for that is to um, gain a little bit of confidence, essentially, because um, if you're standing back there at 20 yards just winging it and slinging airs all over the place, then you're going to lose confidence really fast, and it's not going to be near as fun. So I always say start, you know, 8 to 10 yards somewhere in there and just slowly transition your way back because it's definitely not a, a, a sprint. It's a marathon. Um, if you want to do things right, it get your confidence because that's what 110 percent uh game of traditional archery is is built around and works off of is confidence um i mean i lose it myself every now and then and have to kind of go back and start from scratch and uh work on my form and get things back in line but uh you know start close and work your way back slowly um and you'll slowly you know get to where everything is feels super easy and before you know it, you know, you will be at 20 or 25 or 30 yards even. Um, and I actually do advocate for uh, practicing at longer distances um, because when you do walk up, say, from 30 yards, if you've been shooting that far and you get up to 15 yards, man, that, you know, golf ball size spot that you're shooting at at 30 yards, it looks like a beach volleyball sitting there at 15 yards. Mm-hmm. And you think, man, how in the world could I miss that? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it really does increase um, accuracy um, if you do practice it a little bit um, further distances but um, definitely something to start out at is closer and slowly work your way back gotcha gotcha oh man i'm loving this i'm eating it up so uh, <laughs> uh, so we've covered shooting pretty extensively and I, I appreciate that man i think you did a great job explaining all that um i want to switch gears just a little bit into the hunting realm you know i think a lot of people who are going to listen to this, you know, if they have interest in traditional archery, it's probably because they want to, you know, go out there and hunt with it. 
And so uh, I want to shift gears to hunting just a little bit. And so in your opinion, what are some of the biggest differences between hunting with a trad bow versus like a compound? Uh, 100% the biggest difference to me is distance. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anymore, you know, with compounds, 20 yards is nothing. Mm -hmm. 30 yards is nothing. And if you practice any amount at all, 40 yards really isn't anything anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And for some people, you know, 50, 60, 70 yards isn't anything. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, but with, with trad bows, I mean, it's, it's such a, an intimate type game where you have to be in close. Um, and it's not so much one of those things, you know, that you can't hit a target at further distances. Um, it's that limiting factor of your gear, you know, you're shooting something that if you really got it tuned up good and, uh, have a pretty decent, you know, bow that, you know, you're shooting 185 foot a second, um, (laughs) And there's a lot of things that can change and go wrong um, in a very, very quick amount of time um, shooting any type of archery gear. Um, mm-hmm. But especially when you throw a trad bow in the mix just because you're losing a lot of speed mm-hmm. um, compared to a compound. So, uh, you know, I, I personally, I, I won't hardly shoot at anything over, you know, 18 to 20 yards mm-hmm. um, just because I know that there's so many things that can happen. Um, now given different situations and the way the animals are acting and that sort of thing, then by all means, yeah, I've shot at stuff further than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of times that I've had shot opportunities that would compound. I'd have never thought twice about not drawn back and they've been deader than dead, but with, uh, you know, holding longbow in the hand, I, I've passed the shots up, um, just because I knew I needed them just a little bit closer to be sure that uh my shot rang true and you know the arrow made it there where it was supposed to mm-hmm. um and the air, animal didn't leave before the arrow got there so yeah that, that's really the biggest thing is, yeah is having the mindset of you know i can shoot to 20 but it's probably best that i don't shoot past 15 mm-hmm. um or i can shoot to 25 i should probably shoot past 20 yeah um and, and that sort of thing, kind of having that self-imposed limit, which it is mm-hmm. so, so, so hard to do. <laughs> yeah. and, it, and it's cost me a lot of animals that mm-hmm. otherwise would have been, like I said, dead in a hammer had I had anything in my hand yeah. uh, other than a longbow. So uh-huh. that's really the biggest difference, um, I yeah. would say. Do you find yourself like compensating for that speed? I mean, do you find yourself aiming lower than you maybe would, you know, getting ready for that drop or I've, I've also heard that, yeah, you know, traditional bows tend to be quieter and so they don't react as much as you would think or what are your thoughts on that? Correct. So I, I've heard this from so many people. I mean, I, I know guys that literally killed every animal in the sun from, you know, whitetails in South Texas to elephants in Africa with, with trad bows um, and, and every one of them is going to have their own philosophies on it. And uh, honestly, it all depends on the animals in that area um, that you're hunting. You know, so if I if I'm in Texas, um, especially hunting like hill country deer or something like that, those dudes are so friggin' wired up uh, that yeah, I'm going to give them a little bit of room for error there because I know they're going to drop. Mm. Um, deer around home here. Typically speaking, they're not going to drop that much. They might if it's super, super calm and quiet, um, you know, and it's one of those days where you could hear a flea fart from 400 yards and they're just real edgy, then, yeah, I'm probably going to give them a little bit. Um, but most of the time, 
I'm putting it right there in the pocket. And, you know, if they drop, then I'm still good. If they don't drop, I'm I'm going to be right there on the money. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really don't particularly advocate for, you know, aiming low on every single animal because every one of them is going to be different, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that, you know, I, I do believe and feel like a lot of trad bows are super, super quiet. Um, and especially if you got a good tuned arrow and got a little weight behind it, man, there's nothing quieter than a self-blow or a long bow spitting an arrow out. Um, and most of them don't even have an idea that anything's coming their way before it gets there. So, um, it, it, like I said, it all depends on one animal to the next and kind of different areas as to whether or not I, I personally do any lower aiming or anything like that. But mm-hmm. you, you can't, you can't, you know, second guess an animal and their reaction, what they're going to do. So I'm definitely not one that advocates for, for holding low or shooting low uh, every single time. Gotcha. One, uh, one issue I've, I guess, thought about kind of come up with, you know, again, I've, I've really only done one true trad hunt, uh, ever, but I've practiced a decent amount. Um, one thing that I've always thought about is just the movement and not even just the, the act of the shot, but they're just so much bigger than a compound bow, you know, and, Correct. you know, worried Correct. about hitting, hitting tree limbs and that's their grass, you know, um, and so, like, I, I've never, I, I guess I've thought about, you know, hunting out of a tree stand, but I feel like you would have to trim so awful much. You know, I'm southeast Oklahoma. Usually, you know, nine times out of ten, I'm in an oak tree with a bunch of limbs and stuff, and I don't want right. to, you know, trim out every single limb around me because I want the cover. Um, and so right. I found myself wanting to hunt more off the ground just to have the room. But then again, then, you know, you have that big thing swinging around and, uh, you know, you got to have a lot of cover. And so, um, what do you do as far as just, you know, hiding from whatever you're trying to hunt? Nah, man, on on those lines, I honestly don't think too much about it. Mm -hmm. Um, and yes, it might be longer, but you're also looking at something that's a whole lot thinner profile for the most part. Mm -hmm. Um, there's not any moving wheels or anything like that to catch an animal off guard. Um, I mean, if you look at a, say, a longbow, for example, on the front side, if you're looking directly at me as I draw it back, you know, the profile of the bow really doesn't change any. Mm. Um, so it, it's not something that I really think about having that extra movement, per se. Now, I do definitely think about and have to be aware at all times of where my bow limbs are as far as the upper and lower side, if there are any limbs in the trees or whatnot. Um, so that is something that... You really have to think twice about whenever you're setting up stands. Um, but I do try to set up a lot of times in cedars if I can, just because mm-hmm. they've got a lot more uh, cover behind you to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the last several years, I've actually dropped down quite a bit. Um, I was, I was I gonna, that was hunt. my next question, is how high do you get? So I, I'm usually, man, 8 to 10 feet about as high up as I get. And there's a couple of situations here and there where I'm, I am higher than that, but um, I've, I've started slowly transitioning over pretty much to all ladder stands, mainly for ease of use and safety behind them, just because mm-hmm. life and, of course, kiddo coming up as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never usually ever have a, the full setup. I've always got a, a section of legs taken out. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, you, you're looking at 10, maybe 12 foot, at the very most, to the bottom of your, your stand. Um, but I love cedar trees. Um and I definitely always try to keep 
something right there close as far as uh, the background goes. You know, if I can get two trees close together and, you know, set up between them. Um, and that, that's really the biggest thing. As long as you got a little background cover, um, it's going to conceal most of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do hunt a little bit out of ground blinds, but they're so limiting just because of the height and that's, always having to worry mm-hmm. about if your bow limb is going to hit this or that. So, mm-hmm. um, you can get away with it with some some of them. Uh, I've got a couple uh, the double bull blinds that there's more than enough room um, to shoot out of, and then I've got a couple that uh, I don't even know what the brand. They're probably mare steps, and they're definitely big enough that you have to be aware of your surroundings and know for sure where your bow bow tips are. Because I have uh, swept a, swept a, a uh, top limb tip across mm-hmm. my uh, blind before, and it's cost me shots. Yeah. Uh, a couple of different times so uh it, it just really varies on the area and that sort of thing as far as how and what i set up with but 99 yeah. percent of the time i'm in the tree stand mm-hmm. yeah i've i've never tried a, a ground blind for that exact reason like I've, I've wanted to because like i said i almost feel more comfortable off the ground with the trad bow than a tree stand right um but right. yeah you, you know you got to have some cover obviously you know, I've i've hunted deer enough to know that you know, if you're 15 yards away from them, you got to have a lot of stuff between you and them. Uh, but a, a ground blind just didn't seem practical with the length of the longbow. And so, right. um, which, like I said, a lot of the blinds, there, there's more room in there than you think, especially if you're setting way against the back edge. And mm-hmm. um, whenever you're drawing back, you know, the center of your bow is, or your bow is going to be in the center of the hub. And mm-hmm. so uh, there's typically going to be enough room there. Um, especially on most recurves that are in the 58-60-inch range. Um, you can get away with a whole lot more versus a 64-plus-inch longbow, mm-hmm. um, which is typically what I'm swinging around and hunting with. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's one of those things, it's, it's practice and kind of getting used to it and knowing, knowing your surroundings and sign of blind and that sort of thing. Uh, but there, it's very doable. You just have to, like I said, just be, be aware of um, where everything's at and also – know as far as targets in front of you if they're here what's your bow going to be like or if they're standing there where's your bow going to be and that sort of thing so uh that's one thing that i didn't really think about uh in the beginning and i pay a whole lot more attention to now is can i shoot multiple different spots versus just right here where i want them Mm -hmm. and expect them to come out um but if you're like me they never ever (laughs) ever read the script like they're supposed to and so uh game plans change up real fast yeah yeah uh-huh. i thought of one last question i know we're uh starting to go long here but uh, uh no, this, no problem this question might uh you know it might uh conflict your two worlds of hunting and and uh target archery but what about canting your bow how does that affect it do yeah. you do it um i could see in a target environment not canting as much you know kind of getting that bow more vertical but in a hunting environment, mm-hmm. you know, maybe canting a little more. Talk about that. Yeah, so I, for years I, I shot with a very, very heavily canted bow. Um, and then since I've slowly transitioned the last, uh, i say about three years or so, to a, um, to a gap shooting type system versus instinctive, my, my bow has went way more vertical. Mm-hmm. Um, and And – there's nothing wrong with canting whatsoever. I still do it sometimes, um, depending on conditions and 
Um, you know, I, there's times I've tried shooting in the wind and it's literally nearly impossible to shoot straight up and down because your arrow wants to blow off the shelf. So mm-hmm. you have to cant a little bit. Um, and for the most part, I mean, if there's just a little bit of cannon in the bow, it's not going to make that big of a difference um, as far as impact goes. And it, it's not something that I wouldn't uh, do or, you know, advocate against or anything like that. The main thing is just trying to keep it the same every single time, which for the most part, I mean, if, if you put, you know, you point your finger at something uh, off in the distance, if you look at your hand and how it's setting, it's not straight up and down, you know, it's, it's canted per se. Um, and so your natural tendency, um, in the natural way your hand is going to set on a, on a bow or a grip of any sort is going to be at somewhat of an angle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so canting is, is definitely something that a lot of people do and it's a natural type feel. So, uh, I, definitely something I, like I said, I wouldn't advocate against it. Um, at all especially if it feels good to you and you know it, it sets you up for a good shot and uh, definitely by all means it's it's good to go really in either situation or setting whether it's target archery or hunting gotcha all right i just wanted to check on that so uh, yeah no problem <laughs> well shiloh we've talked a whole bunch about bows we've talked a little bit about hunting and stuff um i want to give you an opportunity real quick uh to basically hook some people on traditional archery I want you to tell us a quick story. Give me one good traditional archery hunting story. Oh gosh, uh, I wasn't prepared for that one. I know, I threw you uh, off guard, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's just there's too many that I can think of that come to mind. Um, I mean, I, I guess the biggest thing with every single one of them is, you know, being in close. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually seeing the animal's reaction to everything, um, like I said, it's it's more of an intimate type setting than there is with any other type of hunting. Um, you know, just for example, the buck that I think you mentioned you'd seen uh, that I shot here a couple weeks ago. Uh, you know, that deer he he came in and with a compound, I could have killed him early, early, early in the evening. Uh, whenever he came through the what you know the timber the first time mm-hmm. um i had him at you know 24 25 yards dead to rights uh but he caught my wind and slowly worked his way through the timber um and he couldn't figure out for sure what it was or what it wasn't and uh thank goodness he came back in late that evening um and presented me with another shot um but man whenever you draw that trad bow back and watch that air fly it's like everything is in slow motion um and is magnified so much more than safe with a, a compound or definitely with a crossbow um but but there's nothing on earth like hearing and seeing that air go through a, a, a big buck or a pig or anything for that matter uh with a trad bow um it just it's so so different um and definitely something that, man, I, I hunt with everything even to this day. I mean, I shot a really, really nice buck with my compound early this year. Um, but, man, the thrill that you get with, with the trad bow is, is like no other. Um, and I, I I don't know. It's just what that's what gets you hooked, mm-hmm. uh, being in close and seeing everything as it actually happens 
and not wondering, well, did I hit him here? Did I hit him there? Anything like that? Uh, with Tradbo, 99% of the time, you know exactly where to hit just because you visually see and hear everything um, from start to finish. Awesome. I love it. I'm so hooked. I mean, I was kind of hooked before this, but now I'm definitely hooked. So <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I mentioned, uh, I mean, way back uh, last spring, I was talked about it on my podcast, how I wanted to do it, but just life circumstances. And uh, man, I, I had three weddings this October that, you know, cut way back on my hunting time. Uh, but this year Ooh. I mean it. And so I'm, I'm ready. I'm going to start practicing right now and I'm, I'm going to kill some form of deer. I don't care. Big, small, whatever with, with my <laughs> either. I don't know. I haven't decided with the longbow or the recurve yet. If I practice enough with the longbow, I might try to jump up to that recurve or maybe trade that one in for, you know, one a little lighter that I can handle more, but, right. but, uh, but yeah, so that's my goal. So, but, uh, yeah, well, man, uh, I've kept you long enough, uh, real quick. I want to give you uh, an opportunity to shout out, you know, your Instagram or thank any, any people you need to thank. So, uh, take it away. If people want to find you, where should they go? Uh, I'm on Instagram and on Facebook, uh, just under my name, Shiloh Butts. Um, man, I, I couldn't really thinking about two people to thank. There's, there's so many out there. Um, definitely all the people that I shoot with. Uh, just because having a solid group of folks around you to to shoot with and enjoy the sport with that that to me means more than anything. To be honest and honest with you, especially shooting 3D and that sort of thing. Uh, I've got a lot of guys that have uh, went a lot of miles with me all over the world, uh, chasing critters and chasing foam, and uh, <laughs> uh, they're really the ones that keep me in this game. Um, but the biggest thing I would say, as far as uh, you know, people that back me. Uh, I've got two or three guys that build bows and arrows for me. Um, local guys. Uh, one of them is Warren Print. He's here out of uh, Byers, Oklahoma. Uh, Vortex Bows. Uh, another gentleman out of Texas uh, named Randy Madden with Primal Tech Bows. Uh, you know, those, those people are the ones that uh, really, really make traditional archery what it is, you know, because everybody. Uh, when you talk to a trad bow guy, you know, they, they've got their lucky arm guard or they've got their, uh, their special tab or, you know, they're proud of their bow. Um, cause really there's not hardly any two custom bows that look alike and guys like Warren and Randy that build bows, uh, you know, they take a lot of pride in what they, they do. And, uh, it really shows and, you know, they're, they're literally have a working piece of art. Uh, and so I always, uh, when people, you know, ask me, should I buy this kind of bow or that kind of bow, I, I always, always lean towards guys that are, um, you know, doing it custom, you know, and try, mm-hmm. I mean, there's nothing wrong with any bow that's out there that fits you and it shoots good, whether it's, you know, a Black Widow or a, a Black Tail or a Samick Sage or whatever it might be. Um, but the guys that, like I said, do custom ones, they, they take a little bit more pride in it and, uh, so I always try to uh, give them a little bit of a plug and refer people to their direction just because um, it your bows definitely are something special and uh, something that you, you do take more pride in than what you would think, um, especially more so than, say, a compound or something like that because they all, in my mind, they look the same anymore. They're all wild and crazy. I mean, I've got one, and 
I'd pull it out and throw it in a pile with a bunch of other people's, and I probably couldn't tell you which one was mine, to be 100% honest, <laughs> honest with you. Uh-huh. Um, but I can pick out my bow off of, you know, my long bow off a rack of 100 in just one second. Uh-huh. Um, look, because I'm proud of it, and it looks different than everybody else's. So um, definitely want to give support to those kind of guys. Awesome. Awesome, man. Well, Shiloh, I appreciate it. You have been a wealth of knowledge. I really appreciate you coming on. And uh, we might have to have you on again after I give you some time to think of some stories and tell us some stories. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, anytime, sir. I hope I didn't bore you too much. No, like I said, I loved it. I'm gonna have to go back and listen to this myself just to take more notes. So, <laughs> like I said, I really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on, and uh, have a great evening. Yes, sir. You too. All right, I'll talk to you later. And that is a wrap. Thanks again, Shiloh, for coming on. Man, I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. I was just completely enthralled by that conversation. Uh, I can't wait for this episode to drop so that I can listen to it myself on my phone. And um, yeah, I think this is going to be one that I'm going to listen to over and over again. So thanks again, Shiloh. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, man, I, I feel like around Christmas time, my podcasting got a little bit... Uh, a little bit shaky, but I am back on track now. I'm more motivated than ever. I'm not going anywhere, and uh, I am dedicated to this thing. So stick with me, guys. Thank you for all of you who have listened and stuck with me. Um, man, what else? Deer season's over. I think we got about 10 more days of waterfowl. Actually, I guess less than that when this comes out. Um, so yeah, we're almost there guys. I also, I am dusting off my predator hunting stuff. I am ready to kill some coyotes. Um... Yeah, that's about all I got. I'm way over an hour now, so I'm going to let you guys go. Thanks again for listening to the Oklahoma Outdoor Podcast. I love you guys, and until next week, I will see you right back here. Here.